Good evening tonight. I'm sorry to come out a little late. I was reading a quote of Brother Branham back there. Amen. I, got, I have an excuse. I was reading a quote of Brother Branham. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Nice to have you. Isaiah chapter 1. Thank you, musicians. And Romans chapter 9. Do I get a pass for reading a quote of Brother Branham? <laughs> Amen. Isaiah chapter 1 and Romans chapter 9. <laughs> it's better reading, better reading that than something else, right? Brother uh, Jerry Robinson uh, was calling us and we were just crossing the border and he was giving a testimony and it cut right off because we were crossing the border. But uh, the Lord was with Sister Dana Robinson and spared her life, actually. And so we're thankful that a mother could be alive for Christmas and then be in the same hospital, actually, that Brother Tom had his operation and some of the same team, I understand. And so her hip uh, had some work on it yesterday, and, but she just needs our prayers and be going through some therapy. You know, this time of the year can be happy times, but it can also be sad times and hard times for many that face troubles and we want to remember one another. Normally we uh, pray before, but I wanted to read our scripture and then read, uh, then pray together if it's okay. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 9, just one verse and, and then we'll turn to Romans if you don't mind. Isaiah said, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Thank the Lord for leaving us a remnant. Amen. Romans chapter 9 verse 27. Romans 9:27. Many are away for uh, this time of the year and some because of the weather aren't here tonight, but bless you that came. And those that are streaming, may the Lord be with them. Romans chapter 9 verse 27 then we'll have a word of prayer. I wanted to read that uh, I wanted to pray after verse 33 because it's speaking of our Christ, our lovely Lord. Romans 9:27. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, this is our opening scripture that Paul is referring to, as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and been made like unto Gomorrah. What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness, had attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
Verse 33 is Christ. And they stumbled at the, at the stumbling stone. And it was a rock of offense to them. But to you and us, you and, and I that believe on Him, there is no shame in that. I thank God for Sunday morning's message, putting Christ back in Christmas. We had a wonderful Christmas. Because Christ is here. And tonight He's still with us in this building. He wants to minister to you that came out tonight. And I wonder as we bow our heads, this is why we wanted to just pray now. I wonder who would say, Lord, our last Wednesday night of 2017. Come by here, Lord. As we just reflect and ponder on this year. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight, Lord. We praise you for your mighty works, Lord. And for the children of God, the sons and daughters of God that you have birthed by your word. We are so thankful tonight. This time of the year when there's so much driving and busyness and time off of work and school and many are with family. Tonight we can come into your house with our family. Rest and sit down and hear your word, God. But may our hearts be beating for joy at the seed that you had placed there. Lord, if you had not left us a seed, we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, we're the Abraham group that see judgment all around. And we see that, we, we see the make-believers, un, uh, the, the unbelievers, the borderline, lukewarm believers getting swallowed up by the world. Lord, it's a lesson to us that we want to stay close to the fire. So, Lord, put that fire in our hearts, Lord. Put joy in our hearts, Jesus. This week has been busy for many, but may tonight's service be a time of refreshing and rejoicing that you have given us a gift of a seed. Bless your people. And it was within our hearts today as we were praying at home that if some are sick here tonight, that they would be healed by the hearing of the word. Just a desire that passed in my heart, Lord, that if there'd be brothers and sisters gathered around the table and had have some infirmity, but by the, lead, by the preaching of the word and by your presence, that when they go home tonight, they would be healed. They would be strengthened and give testimony. Something happened during the meeting. Those that are streaming couldn't be here tonight or will stream this service. May the power of God be uh, unleashed upon your people at this season of the year. Lord, we love you tonight and we praise you. Hallelujah. We give you glory for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can have your seats. This is our last Wednesday night of the year. Some of you are a little quiet, but it would be good to end it with some glory. Hallelujah. And amen. I've been eating a little bit of food this week and a little bit of candy. Sometimes it goes to our certain places, but tonight we're here to hear the word. Amen. It causes our uh, bodies to maybe be a little bit out of order sometimes. You know, a good way to kind of push through that is just give the Lord some praises. Amen. Just shout a little bit. Amen. Tonight, uh, just uh, be respectful of your time. But I want to speak on the gift of the seed. The gift of the seed. And we'll come back to the scriptures in Isaiah that we read and in Romans 9. But as we just pass through this Christmas season and a lot of thoughts and actions have been on gifts. 
And um, it's been spoken a lot about and giving of gifts and receiving of gifts. Brother Branham spoke about these things also as he received gifts and spoke of gifts during the Christmas season. But uh, spiritually now, uh, for, the, for the bride here on this Wednesday night, I, we should be the most grateful people to have received the gift of Jesus Christ. His presence has meant a lot to us. His Word has really made the difference. As we look back over this 2017 and ponder, maybe you've been at over 50 Wednesday night services, but really the seed or the Word of God is still the greatest thing that that moves the hearts. We should be the most thankful people for this gift. We should be the most appreciative too and the most, you know, a lot of gifts are given and some with a lot of thought and then someone opens a gift and it just kind of, it's not received very well or it's not received on the same level and it kind of brings some hurt sometimes. And I believe the Lord has given us a gift of His Word and seed and, and I think it's good for us to just respond and look, look at Him in His face and say, I really appreciate that. It really meant a lot for him to come down in a little manger and through a teenage young girl for her to be embarrassed and for everyone to think that she had actually committed a horrible act when really she was the most chosen virgin in the whole world. And to think that you and I have been looked down and scoffed at uh, many times over Christmas time we think of joy to the world and a lot of pleasantries and things, but... It was 1962 when Brother Branham spoke the reproach for the cause of the word at Christmas time. And the, the coming of Christmas and the coming of Christ uh, for the individual isn't always joyous and happy. Sometimes there's a heavy cross for it. But tonight we're here to give God thanks for the gift of the seed and thank Him for it. And so it's going to be two parts tonight in the service. We want to look at uh, the predestinated seed that God has put in your soul. That's a gift from God. And then the second part is that God has given us a gift of the message. And He's given us a seed word. What a gift. And um, I just want to answer three questions before we turn to what Brother Branham spoke about these things. But some might have a question. When did God give you this seed? When did He put this seed in your soul? And the answer is before the foundation of the world. God put that gift in you before the foundation of the world. And then someone might ask, when was we chosen in Him And the Bible answers that clearly before the foundation of the world. So tonight we're here to rejoice that it's not a a momentary gift, but it's our eyes coming open that we're recognizing, I'm a seed of God. Let's turn to Ephesians 1.4. This is only the first couple minutes of our meeting, but to lay the foundation... Because many people wrestle with this, even believers, uh, uh, with this question about when did God choose me? Or how do I know when God chose me? When was my name put on the Lamb's book of life? And to maybe uh, stay on the positive side, many wrestle with this because they always say, well, why didn't God choose that? Or I was just traveling to Ohio uh, a week and a half ago to Lima, Ohio, and, and one of the brothers that had been a message believer for many, many years and raised his family and 
One of his sons that had been raised in the message, we knew him very well, took another route and went in another direction. And the dad, of course, was very grieved and was spending some time with his son and trying to, uh, you know, just spend some time with him as he had gotten married, actually, and their marriage had broken up. But he was just trying to spend some time with his son. He said, son, where did I go wrong? You know, where did mother and I go wrong? And the Son replied, Dad, you didn't, you didn't go no wrong at all. There wasn't any wrong that you did, but it's just, why is this happening? And why does God do that? And why does this person die? And why does that happen over there? And we can lean on the carnal side and try to understand everything on the negative when really we need to fall on the positive and thank God that He's put a seed of faith in your heart. That's where we're going to be majoring on tonight. Ephesians 1.4, Paul answered this question, When did God give you this seed? And when was you chosen? Ephesians 1.4, According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Is that what the Bible says? So we've been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's before you were born. That wasn't the night you went to the altar. Or when you surrendered or came down and said, I want to be saved. No, God chose you before the foundation of the world. Open up this gift this tonight and thank God for it. It might surprise some of you and shock you at the simplicity of this. Even Peter mentioned this and how verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Let's go to Revelations 13 verse 8. I just, I didn't mean to have us turn to these, but uh, let's just turn there and find when our name was placed on the Lamb's book of life. The gift of the seed... Revelations chapter 13, verse 8. This is the last book of the Bible. And he's speaking about the beast and the uh, things that were, would be coming against the saints. Revelations 13, verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Let's read this out loud together. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So when was the Lamb slain? You say that was on Mount Calvary. But God looked ahead and there was a lamb that was slain on Mount Calvary. But really before the foundation of the world, he was slain. So you were identified with Christ and your name was put in a, not just the book of life, but the lamb's book of life. Let's go to chapter 17 verse 8. This is another place where it mentions about this, the names on the book of life from the foundation of the world. Revelation 17 verse 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. 
And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they beheld the beast that was and is not and yet is. The Bible here in verse 8 is speaking about they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. So there are going to be names that are written in a book from, from the foundation of the world. So it doesn't matter really about your skin color or your language or your culture or what continent you were born. You are a seed of God. And wherever you're born and whoever your mother or your father is or wherever church you were born around or whatever town or village or whatever's on your passport, whatever country's there, you came from the heart of God. I came from the heart of God. It wasn't just the country on my passport. It wasn't just my mother and my father that's on my birth certificate. I came from God. You came from God. Our natural birth might cause a lot of trouble and a lot of even uh, sicknesses in our genes. But something happened at Calvary to seal our salvation, seal our healing, give us deliverance. That tonight we can say the gift of that seed is down inside of me. And God's opening up. He's unwrapping this gift tonight. I'm so thankful. Let's turn to Romans chapter 9 together. Let's go back to our opening scripture. We did not become seed of God by the rebirth. We were seed and therefore we were reborn for only the elect can be reborn. Now this is right out of the church age book and this is really the foundational fundamental revelation for tonight that we are eternal in God's thoughts. We didn't just happen to be. Our life isn't a mistake. We're not here by accident. Even before we're born, God loved you. And there are certain ones that before they're born, God hates them. And my, that sounds hard to the carnal mind. There are certain people that before they're even born, God already knows where they're going, what they're going to do, what they're going to do in their life, and He hates that person. You say, that's not fair. Don't fall on the negative. Fall on the positive and say, thank God for a seed that God loves me. God knew that I would say yes. God knew that I would humble myself. Let God take care of His business. Let God be the one that puts people in heaven or puts people in another place. Strive with everything in your life to move people into an atmosphere to love the Lord. But also know there are people that God hates. There's not very many amens with that, but God's hatred is just as very clear as His love. God hated Esau. And there's no amount of witnessing and pamphlets and camp meetings. And it didn't matter if his dad, grandpa was so-and-so and his dad was so-and-so and his mother was precious sister Rebecca. He wasn't going to a good place. He hated the birthright. He despised the birthright. And it's the same today. God hates those that hates the word. They clash. 
Romans chapter 9 verse 29. Maybe it'll help some to understand why there's such a clash going on in your heart. Is because it's God versus Satan. He hates unbelief. He hates unholiness. You're around your family or uh, people that are around the Christmas time. We're around business associates and we're around people that we know normally isn't our norm. And there's just a uh, joke or it just starts going casual and into politics. And then pretty soon 20 minutes go by and it's just politics or sports or somebody gives some bad joke or they're talking about this and that. And you wonder why you just start getting heavy and why you've just had enough. Hello out there. I'm a- And you just had enough. Well, many times that's the Holy Spirit on you. He can only bear so much of carnality. Then you get around believers and you get around where they're singing and around where there's the Word. And somebody reads Romans chapter 9 verse 29 and it just starts to move inside of your heart. As Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed... We had been a Sodom and been made like unto Gomorrah. Can we fellowship about this a little bit? Unless, unless God had left us a seed, we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't want to miss that part of the Lord of the Sabbath there in Romans 9.29 where it says, except the Lord of Sabbath... Isaiah said the Lord of hosts because it means the Lord of hosts and the Lord of Sabbath means he's the Lord of the armies of Israel. Unless the Lord of the armies of Israel had left us a seed, we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what the Bible's saying here. And, and the Lord of Sabbath is, is those who are under the leadership and protection of Jehovah and how they maintain His cause in warfare. Isaiah was saying this. Paul picked it up in Romans 9 that unless the Lord of Sabbath or Lord of hosts had left us a seed or an issue... Or this seed is a place where a plant is germinated. It has to do with the grain or the kernel part that is kept on the inside of a, of, of a person and then brings forth future plants. It's also mentioned as those that, as a seed that is kept from the harvest for sowing for future victories and future to, to satisfy down the road. Unless the Lord had left us a seed to satisfy down the road, we'd all been destroyed. Praise be to God. And it also means the seed is the product of The life of the male. Unless the Lord had left us children and offspring and a family and a race and a posterity. Aren't you glad that you're part of the God race? Hallelujah. Unless the Lord had left us a seed that is within the seed possesses this vital force that gives power and brings the Holy Spirit and divine energy operating through our lives, through our soul, that, that manifests His life and His character. If the Lord had not left us that seed, we'd all been like Sodom. We'd all be like Gomorrah. Do y'all remember Sodom and Gomorrah? 
Sodom and Gomorrah is linked in Scripture and they're associated, these two cities, because of their immorality, because of their perversion. And, and Sodom actually means burning. It was burning. It was a place of burning. And it was destroyed when the Lord rained fire and brimstone. In Genesis chapter 19, it was a Canaanite city of Sodom. God hates that Sodom spirit. And if you look up Sodom and sodomy, it's a perverted spirit in the family. And God hates that spirit. It's a, it's a perverted spirit. And, and Paul is linking this back to Isaiah. That unless the Lord of hosts or of Sabbath had left us a seed, we'd have all been like Sodom. We'd all been like Gomorrah. We'd all be burning in our flesh. But there came a seed in our souls that's greater than all of that. This is the gift of the seed that we're opening up this Christmas. I tell you, that's the greatest Christmas gift we could ever receive is Jesus Christ. Amen. Better than a Tonka truck or a f- this or that or this. Old. You say, I got this for Christmas. Well, that's such a, I got an overcoat or I got a purse or I got some socks or something. Maybe you got something else or whatever. But when you open up the gift of a seed and you begin to admire that you're an elected seed, Amen. that ought to bring joy to all of our hearts. And, A freedom that unless God had left us holiness, we'd all been like Sodom and Gomorrah. And Gomorrah means submersion. It was one of the five cities of the plain or vale of of Sodom that was in that area where you remember those five kings that that, um, joined their battle and came down there. And, and Abraham got his 318 warriors that had been trained in his house and go rescue Lot and his family, Lot and brought them back. Do you all remember that? This was the area. This was the place. Uh, there, there was five cities in that certain plain and only one of them. I don't want to bore you with history, but you remember when Lot wanted to go out of Sodom there and leave that place and his wife turned into a pillar of salt. Even Jesus referred back to this. Remember Lot's wife. In other words, remember Lot's wife and, and recognize that you're a seed. I put a seed in you. I put a gift in you. But this one little city called Zora was the place that Lot wanted to go to with his daughters. It was just a little city. And God spared that certain city. But when we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, they're linked together because Lot and his family are associated with those cities. They're carnal. They lean toward the world. They lean toward fashion. They lean toward being connected to worldly things. That's why God help us this Christmas to, uh, this last Wednesday of the year, to look back over the year and say, God, as we come into the new year, I want to spend more time connected like Abraham was to Melchizedek. Because that's the seed that you and I are from. We're not of Sodom and Gomorrah. Our roots don't go back to perversion and ungodliness. It goes back to the Word of God. And it's so close. It is so interwoven that Lot was related to Abraham. He knew about Abraham and Sarah. He knew their standard. He, he could have said, oh, I'm related to this. But friends, we've gone a lot further than that in the message. It's not just our family strains and our family blood that's going to keep us now. It's the gift of that seed in our souls. 
Let me just uh, finalize this here on this thought. Abraham's group is a type of you and I. That word seed bride group. That we're not in those cities. We live outside of that influence. We're meeting Melchizedek. We have a desire to look across the plains and see Jesus in the situation. We have a hunger for the body change. That's the gift of the seed. And Paul was inspired to speak about that unless the Lord had left us a seed. We had been as Sodom and been like unto Gomorrah. I believe tonight there ought to be an appreciation for that gift. It goes for all of us here that unless the Lord had put that desire there, we'd just be like the world. We'd be running wild and crazy in their ambitions and their goals. God's put another desire in us. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that drive to be like Jesus. You know, Brother Branham in the church age book, he didn't mess around with words. He was talking about God, and I don't want to go too deep here. I want this to be something that you can all feed from appropriately because this is an appropriate uh, gift that God is giving us. But he's talking about the Logos and God and how it came out and manifested the Son and Jesus dwelt there as part of the Godhead bodily, the Eternal One. That the Father was manifested in the flesh and thereby gained the title of Son. You say, that's confusing. No, he says, even so we, eternal in his thoughts, in our turn. This is our turn. This is our time to to come out. He said, in our turn, become the many-membered spoken word seed manifest in flesh. And those eternal thoughts are now manifested in flesh are the sons of God. Even as we are so called, we did not become seed by the rebirth. We were seed... And therefore were reborn, for only the elect can be reborn. Now if you look in the church age book, Brother Branham had this bolded. It was highlighted. I think sometimes we miss this. It would help some of our wives and some of our husbands and our children if this became a revelation to them that we did not become a seed by the rebirth. Just us being in Cloverdale Bible Way, raised up in a good church and good parents and good deacons and good ministry does not make us seed. We're here because we are a seed. Does everyone receive that and know that that's that's the word? But our new birth did not make us a seed. Only those that are seed can be birthed. Friends, this would answer a lot of questions. Why did this person walk away? Or why is this person not, not interested? Why, why is there something in my heart that just, I can't get enough and I want more? And then another person is so casual and laid back right next to you. It's not our job to put them in their box. It's our job to say, thank the Lord for the seed. I'm going to try to clinch this tonight so some of you will be able to walk out and say, I'm glad I'm a seed of God. And when the devil comes to put a question about when did that happen or when did... that, You can go right back to the scripture and say, before the foundation of the world. 
Let me say something a little strong here. This is not reversible. God put a seed in you before the world began. So whether you're male, female, Gentile, Jew, whatever, you say, I don't know if I can be saved because of my friends. God gives you a desire, love for His Word. I'd go with that. You have a hunger for the Holy Ghost. I'd jump all over that. Friends, the world is losing their love for just fundamental, basic. A hundred years ago, women wore dresses. What's happened in a hundred years? Just, the, just the, the love of many has become so cold, they've lost their affection. We walk around in the malls or down the street and, and it's, it's just rampant. Women wear pants. There's been cross-dressing for many years. It can become common even to us. I mean, we were in Leavenworth. It's about three hours from here in the mountains yesterday. You know, so there's people all around and lights and everybody's, you know, it's Christmas time and, and there's snow and we're so happy. But friends, do you realize you're walking around with people that are not seed of God? There's nothing redeemable in their souls. Say, how do you know that? Because the elect will come to the Word. And you can witness. We should share. We should uh, spread the token and over our loved ones. But we, we, by spreading the token over our loved ones does not make them a seed. We did not become seed by the rebirth. We were seed and therefore were reborn for only the elect can be reborn. And he said because we were seed is the reason we could be quickened. In non-seed, there is nothing to quicken. They'll hear the Word and nothing will be quickened. You hear the Word and you're magnetized to it. That's when a person needs to stop and say, Thank you, Lord. I, I thank you, Lord. I don't understand it all. I can't put it all together. You'll go through a lot of difficulties in your life. There'll be a lot of questions that are not answered. It's not up to us to put everything in their boxes and we'll understand it better by and by. But tonight the Holy Spirit is trying to nail down something. You are a seed of God and that is a gift. It's a gift. You can take it lightly. You can, it can become common. It can just become casual. We, we become casual to one another. We become common to one another. But do we know that we're a bunch of parts of God walking around? This is God's family. Hallelujah. On a Wednesday night, we're around God's family. We better be careful how you talk to her. We better be careful how we treat one another. Is that true? Jesus is here. Healing is in the house tonight. Salvation, the Holy Ghost, is pulsating through the seeds. In non-seed, there's nothing to quicken. In the Masterpiece message, he's speaking about this. This is 1964. How that she stands alone like the bridegroom. Now this might come up, seem like it's out of left field, but I'm bringing it into this Christmas time and the, the reproach for the word because sometimes we, we push against uh, a reproach or being persecuted. We kind of want to avoid that. But listen to what he's saying about masterpiece. 
stands alone like the bridegroom, rejected of men, despised and rejected of the churches. The bride stands that way. What is it? It's His masterpiece. It's the Word that He can work through, made manifest, rejecting. They're rejecting you. They're rejecting the seed. They're rejecting Christ. You say, man, that's so hard. Friends, they are rejecting and pushing you in a rapture. They're pushing us down a birth canal out of this world. Friends, this final gift is going to be out of this world. Hallelujah. Now watch what he says here. The stalk and the tassel and the husk never become seed. This would so help us. The stalk and the tassel and the husk never become seed. No, but are all the time becoming more like the seed. So you say they've become more. They've grown through the church ages. My brother John, it sounds so reasonable. You can read a book and they're so positive and they're talking about this and you can get this out of man. The, 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 the whole knowledge has increased to where they can write books and, and music. They can develop that to where you feel good and you feel happy. It's a momentary perversion because they've rejected the Word. They have rejected the Word. But there's something in you and I that can peer right past all of that. They never become seed. Watch what he says. But at harvest time, this is masterpiece, at harvest time, the seed is back to its original life, back to the Bible. Malachi 4 said it would be brought that way. Oh, oh, my, Brother Branham gets excited. Must have it all to be this way. It must have all the Word. And he says, is that right? The bride can take all the Word. You're the bride. You can take all the Word. You can take it when it's hard. You can take it when it's this way or that way. You can take it from a pastor. You can take it from an evangelist. You can take it from a missionary, a teacher. You can take it from these missionaries. You can take the Word. It's the seed. It's the Word. But it's not Word only. There's power there. I trust the Holy Spirit will come to your heart tonight and pregnate and quicken that. Just being under a good ministry don't make you a seed. It brings those that are seed to life. That's why it's important to be in a church where they believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what gift is operating, but it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It's God. It's Christ. It's not theology. It's not, well, I sat down and wrote a song. Well, Christ in you, inspiring a song, will do something for the people. Hallelujah. Do we recognize that people that are not called to be a seed of God will never become a seed? They might dress nice, dress good, quote good. And friends, when you're sitting next to a person or trying to witness or even with our family, you cannot make someone in another category than what God's already called them to. So rather than struggling and forcing, and I'm going I'm I'm to convert this person, fall back into a place of faith and say, God, let my words be right. 
Let my atmosphere be right. I want them to come to their full potential. It's not, I want it this way and I'm going to make you see that. Friends, we've gone way past that. They cannot become a seed. But if there's seed around you, we want to live such a life that they can be quickened. Isn't that our desire this year? We look back over these 50 Wednesday nights we've had this year. We've heard some good word. And then you bring in the Sundays and the services. There's no reason why if you're a seed of God here, you, you, have, you, you cannot be quickened. We're under a steady diet of the word. But the preaching of the word does not pr- produce seed in the souls of people. There's seed out there, they hear the word, and it quickens something in their heart. Let's go to John 17, verse 12. I'm not preaching false doctrine, this is the message. Amen. How many have you been with over the years and they still struggle with that though? But why this? And I just don't understand this. Step back from that and just rejoice that God has given you a gift of a seed. Now let's look here in John 17 because some of these things are very profound. And we're just going to read one verse here speaking about Judas. Because we're majoring on the positive tonight and the bride of Christ is predestinated. We believe that. But there are certain others that they also can do no other but what's inside of them. And Judas is one of them. John 17 verse 12. Jesus said, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me. Now watch this verse. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost. But the son of perdition. That the scripture might be fulfilled. Now a person read that in their carnal mind, they would say, God had a bunch of people, but somebody slipped through and uh, he was lost. Somehow he got a bad attitude at the end. That's not true. He was always a son of perdition. We're talking about Judas. He could do no other, but he could go all the way so far and be good and preach and have a lot of, of signs following him till it came to a certain point to Pentecost, and he couldn't go that far. But it never was in him to go all the way. You just take that one verse, and and it makes it look like God had a bunch of people, and then somebody slipped through, and he got lost. No, he always was predestinated for that place. That the scripture might be fulfilled. The son of perdition, perdition means... He was born for destruction. It means a waste and damnable. It means to die and perish. It's a destroying spirit. It brings utter destruction. It's a perishing and a ruin. Speaking of money or speaking of a loss of eternal life. Judas had his name on the book of life but not the Lamb's book of life. We're going to read that in just a moment. Actually, I'll read it right now. Questions and answers 64. Judas had his name on the book of life. But he was condemned because he... What did he do? He sold out his birthrights. Not the Lamb's book of life. The book of life. 
God gave him a certain part in the book of life. And as long as he stayed under that anointing and that blessing of Christ, he was blessed. But the moment he began to sell himself out for how much silver? Just a little bit of something? Brother Branham said he sold out his birthrights. He had his name on the book of life, but he was condemned because he sold out his birthrights. I'll just say it the way it is. There's people today that have sold out their birthrights. They go so far, they be all around the church, all around the message. They can talk good and Abraham this and Isaac this and Brother Branham this and sing and be, you know, be leaders and be, raise families and raise children. All of a sudden they just go off and say, how did that happen? That the scripture might be fulfilled. You say, that's hard. No, that means you're not going to do that. When we hear about the, the, the Esau group or the Judas group or the Cain group, because there's twins in every revival, many people, they just start getting fuzzy there and a question mark. You know, what, who is he talking about? Not talking about you. Because you're rejoicing and you're saying, thank God for the Abel group. Oh, you say there's an Antichrist group in every church, Brother John, but I'm on the Christ side. I'm on the positive side. But the other side is perishing. It's, it, it, Brother Branham spoke about Esau and how he was born in a family with the promise. And the oldest son had the birthright. And his name was on the book for the birthright. But he swapped it for a mess of wild gourds or peas, hungry to fill his belly, his meal ticket. He swapped his birthrights for a meal ticket and could find no place to repent. Do you know what's very dangerous and very troubling? Today, people are doing the same thing. They're still right at the promise, right at the token, right at the word. And as long as they're under the blessing of the church and under the blessing of the music and the ministry and friends, but there's a fine line that they'll go so far and the bride will go and they'll cry out for repentance. Those that miss the rapture, it'll be too late then. God help us. I'll move along here. Romans chapter 9 verse 6. Let's turn to the scripture again. Are we doing okay tonight? It's cultivating a love and an appreciation for the gift. So that when God is distributing all his gifts that we don't just all become like spoiled brats. Okay, what's next? Everybody got a, a blessing and get, uh, what's next? There ought to be a stopping and admiring. Look at this. Do you know what time went into this? Do you know what effort went into this? God gave you a gift. Could I speak Christmas for a little bit? God's gifts always find their places. And it was at this time of the year that inspiration flowed into the bride. The seed, the word came flowing right in. There's appropriate gifts for the season. And the bride heard that and said, Lord, I want my life to be an appropriate gift for you. Because you deserve the best. 
So this brother sees gold. I give him that. This brother sees uh, uh, in service. They're always serving. What can I do around the church? What can I do? Yet you try to teach them about, you know, Christ and the magic. They don't know what you're, they're kind of, but yet serving and what can I do? They got that. And another sister, they're just always talking about dying and dying. What, I'll just stay home and pray tonight. Thank you very much. And everybody else is, you know, painting and rolling. But their burden is praying. And what can I do? Okay, I'll bake some food. That's their part that they can do for Christ. And many of us in the other parts, we would, oh, that's of no value. That's little. And Brother Branham turned it right around and says, what we give is expressing what we think of him. It's an appropriate gift for this season. God gave you an appropriate gift of Himself. We give our, an appropriate gift of ourselves. That's the greatest thing we could do. Amen. You know, there's some that have grown up for many, many years, Sunday school teachers and around singing and they can, they can give testimony and they come up in their teenage years and then they start getting a little persecution. They start getting a little pushback. Now it's not my daddy and my mommy, but now it's at university or now it's I'm out here driving and I've got to deal with making decisions and, and they get a little pushback. They get a little grief. It's really an opportunity for that gift to come out. And if they're not careful, Satan will put a lot of sludge and a lot of mud down that track. And they'll start wondering if they're even a seed of God at all. Well, well that, that wasn't the Holy Ghost. And then, uh, you know, the church this. They'll get around friends because birds of a feather flock together. And they'll start talking about this and that. And, oh, yeah. And, the, and then pretty soon person that was so positive going on with God can just do a 180. And now it's negative. Now this is wrong. And uh, Friends, that's the wrong spirit. Friends, if you're that way tonight... The seed hasn't changed. It, it is still can be quickened by the Holy Ghost. And that's what we pray one for the other. As we gather ourselves together, that God will blow out those channels and flues. This could be the greatest New Year's that any of us experience because we have Christ in our souls. Romans 9 verse 6. Not as though the Word of God has taken non-effect. For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Is that what the Bible says? That's Malachi 1, verse 2 and 3. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Before they were even born. 
before they had done any good or evil. Now let me just clarify something out of the message that Brother Branham said and Abraham and his seed. I might have quoted this a couple weeks ago, but just to bring it in right here. Brother Branham said, speaking about God, that he didn't say, I'm going to choose you and I'm going to send you to hell. And I'm going to choose you and I'm going to send you to hell. That wasn't God's idea. He wanted all of us to come to heaven. But being God, he foreknew who would come and who would not come. And he said that clears up Romans 9 where he said the election of God might stand sure that before either boy was born, talking of Esau and Jacob, God said, I love Jacob and hate Esau. His foreknowledge, foreknowing, let him know that Esau was nothing but just a little shyster. Anyhow, Jacob had recompense to the birthright. So his foreknowledge lets him know if he didn't know the end from the beginning, then he wasn't God. Do we believe that? God knows the end from the beginning. God knows you that you're going to surrender. He knows that you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. Because He provides the Holy Ghost. He says, I want to give you a gift of the Holy Ghost. You're going to need this for being overcomers in Laodicea. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. So the bride says, I must be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so she receives it. She receives the word seed for her day. She don't deny it and, and fight it and struggle against it. Though for a season she might fight against those things, but that seed is stronger than your flesh. I'm just going to say it again. That seed in your soul is greater than your flesh. Greater than your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brother, your boss. God's election is He loves you before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. I love that. Now let's look in verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For He saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Are we thankful tonight for the gift of mercy? God just said, I give you mercy. Can I just have your attention for a minute? I'm just going to ask you a question about a verse in the Bible. The Bible speaks about a, per a person, a certain person. And the Bible says, Even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the world. That's pretty powerful. Who agrees that's powerful? Amen. I'm going to manifest my purpose in your life. Most of us would say, That was a believer. It's the very next verse. It's Pharaoh. Romans 9, 17. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. He said, that was Pharaoh. He was raised up for that purpose. 
He could do no other. He said, okay, we'll let you, we'll let you do that. And then his heart was hardened. Some of you are looking at me a little strange. If God can do that in Pharaoh's life, he can do that for an elect seed. I'm showing you the negative to show that there are people that are predestinated to do certain things and they can't do no other. It's not in them. They're not a seed of God. And some just short circuit right there. But a Pharaoh, God could say, that's his purpose in life. That's why you've been raised up. I want to show my power in you. My name's going to be declared through your life. We'd say, wow, man, that's a great testimony. That's Pharaoh. And a Pharaoh could be so pointed in a direction that nothing's going to stop it. And my heart's going to be hardened and God's going to show his power in my life and he's not a, an elected seed of God. What about you and I that God says, I want to show my power in your life. I'm going to demonstrate my word through your life. And here we are saying, be it unto me according to thy word. Or are we struggling? Pharaoh didn't wake up and struggle to be Pharaoh. He just woke up and he was anointed to do what he did. Friends, you and I need to wake up and realize we're anointed to do what we do. Verse 17 is a very powerful verse. And these are verses that in, in our private devotion, it's not good to run over them. It's good to just stop right there and say, Lord, if you can do that in a Pharaoh's life, you can do it in my life. I'm a seed of God. I love your word. I'm with Moses' group. I'm with the believers' group. I'm coming out of Egypt. I'm going into the promised land. Do you understand tonight? We're, We're taking both sides to say that God has given you a gift of a seed. Verse 18, Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say... Then unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? So the thing formed, say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Why why have you made me this way? Why am I this way? Do we have a right to ask the question? Verse 21, Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? I think the answer is yes. Does the potter have power to do what he wants? Do do we all love this God tonight? God can do whatever he wants. God is God. And there's one true living God. You know, friends, it's amazing. People will pay their money and do this and, and, and sports stars make their millions, movie stars make their millions and none of them have ever given a penny to you. And yet people give them time and affection and wear their jersey and, and shop till they drop to get a certain thing and they don't love you, they love your money. And the precious gift came down for free and gave his life so that we could live his life and people struggle against that. I think it's time this Christmas to say, God, my eyes are coming open. I want this gift. Some of you don't realize, but the Holy Spirit 
allowed this service to happen tonight to break down some walls for somebody that was struggling against that. Stop struggling. Say, God, take over my life. Then you say, well, if, if it's all predestinated, I'll just whatever. That's not a real seeds attitude. It's not, well, whatever will be. That's a bad attitude. And the Word is here to wash that out of you. Take it right out of your mind. You can say, I'm a son of God and I'm a daughter of God. You say, well, how do you know that? Because when I hear the Word, something's quickened inside of me. And another person hears it and they throw eggs at it. They, they denounce it. They, oh, you church and you people. That's not in you. You're, you're looking for a way. Lord, there's something. You know, God does not change His mind about His Word. That's why I said earlier, it's not reversible. God doesn't choose you to be a seed and then you're born and then you live through your life and then you do something really horrible and bad and it's all over for you. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Laycock. Amen. It, it's, not, it's not reversible. God loves you in, in spite of all that. And then somebody that seems to be so gentlemanly and ladylike and have the manners and grow up and can do... Then all of a sudden they just turn. You know why? Because God loves you in spite of yourself. Then another person tries and they're all good and, you know, two to, and two to good shoes and, and they grow up and then all of a sudden things start collapsing, collapsing. And it's like a whole other person. It's like it's, something evil comes in. A spirit comes in. That's when you need to step back and say, God has had his hand upon your life. Forgive me for being late to the service and then redundant. But God loves you tonight. Amen. I was reading a quote in the back room. Do you all remember that? Do you know what I was reading? I was reading about a man that's on the front of Life magazine. Actually, his family. I'm sorry. His family is on the front of Life magazine. It's the Rockefeller family. And they were so rich and they were so... They had so much. This would be good for us to hear on the gift of the seed. To find out that... Some of you are millionaires sitting right in the service. And yet we think we're so poor. And here is a, a billionaire that would have given anything to have a healthy stomach. To be free from depression. And Brother Branham brings this into the service. I'm actually, it's right out of the message, the uncertain sound. And he's... Talking about how life... Can I just give you this for a little bit? That's probably where my mind was over here. And Brother Derek said, as Brother John comes, as Brother John comes, I said, am I going to put my coat on? Because he's talking about the world and how we live in and how life is so uncertain. And divorce courts and things and it's just terrible. Girls and boys will marry and live together and have two or three kitties and something like that and they'll separate and get out and marry another and marry another and marry another and marry another in their homes. And uh, He said, I was in a poor, real poor home the other night. This is December. The man said, I tell you, I don't know. I just don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. And I looked around and he worked. He had a little... Oh, wife there, just true blue. This is coming from Brother Tom's message a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago on true blue. This is a homework assignment. The uncertain sound. I did my homework. This is one of the messages where Brother Branham used true blue. 
And he was talk, talking about a, a wife and how there was four or five little dirty-faced kids around on the floor. Brother Branham, this man just said, I can't even make ends meet. And his wife, it's just as true blue, and there was four or five little dirty-faced kids on the floor. And I said, boy, you're a millionaire. And he said, huh? I said, Brother Branham, I wouldn't dispute your word. I don't think I would either, but it may show me the bank account, you know. But he said, brother, I ain't got a dime. I said, but you've got something that money can't buy. I said, you've got a little wife here that probably hasn't got two dresses to her name. And if she did, it's somebody gave her because the man just had a day's work now and then. And I, now some of us would have looked at that brother in our church and said, he can't even provide for his family. And look, they have four or five kids. They're dirty-faced. And we'd have looked down on this brother. He's only working a, a day's work now and then. You say, he should be regular. And, we, and Brother Bradham said, you're a millionaire. Because the way we look at gifts are different. And I said, looky here. She's just as loyal as loyal can be. And I said, there's a mini multi-millionaire tonight that would give every penny he had to come home to a wife like that. We're talking about gifts. And I said, his, he's talking about multi-millionaires and there's wives out with a bunch of men somewhere in a bar room cussing, singing, smoking, night riding around and, and yet he loves her talking about the multi-millionaire loves his wife but look what he's got all his life is wrapped around that woman and look the way she's doing and vice versa oh, a, a woman to men there's no difference. It comes time, he says. It's just one conglomeration of sin. A little woman at home trying to take care of her kids and her husband out somewhere drunk and carrying on, run with other women. And what would she give if she had a million of dollars to see that husband really become a man? There's only one way for it to ever be. Jesus Christ is the answer. You say, Brother John, you're supposed to say that. You're a minister. Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the greatest gift. One day the word seed is going to wake up the seed of God. They're going to recognize who she is. She's going to be gone. Jesus Christ is the answer. He said, how many little fathers that's walking around today with millions of dollars? Now he's talking about Rockefeller. Look at Life magazine. Next time. This is now Mr. Rockefeller's family is right on the front page of the Life magazine with the cloud is in. It's his family. They're rich. They're multi-billionaires. Literally. Life magazine. The cloud, the head of Christ, the front page is his family. It's the Rockefeller. Brother Bram's talking about him. How many fathers that's walking around today with millions of dollars would get everything they had if that little spastic child that he's got was just as healthy as yours is here tonight? And he began to look at me. Now we're talking about a gift. And a daddy's beginning to recognize the value. 
And he started to look at Brother Branham. And I said, look, you said you had some bologna and beans and a loaf of bread that you drawed your money this afternoon and you got some bread and beans for your children tonight? I said, every one of them with good stomachs and could eat it, and you did too. Now a lot of us would laugh at that and say, you're funny. Beans and bread and good stomachs. And Brother Bradham said, what John D. Rockefeller say? He'd give a cold million dollars if he could eat one mess of cabbage. This is this billionaire I'm talking about. If he could eat one mess of cabbage. And I said, you said you sat by the window this morning and the cold wind was blowing in. And him sitting in a palace somewhere. But yet if he had sat there and eat a cold and eat a mess of cabbage by that cold wind blowing in, and you had to stuff a piece of paper in it, I said, John D. Rockefeller would give a million dollars to eat one time like you can eat any time. How many blind men with a cane in his hand pecking around the street would give every penny he had for your eyes? See, you can't evaluate the things that are really rich with the things that we call rich. I think I'm looking at a lot of rich people tonight. Thank the Lord Jesus that on a Wednesday night in between Christmas and New Year, we've got a place to come to and worship. We've got clothes. You've got children. You've got a song leader. You've got ministry. There are churches that would die to have one, pre- one pastor, one preacher. I just had it in the last few weeks. Would you come? Would you come? They're dying to have a pastor. And you have qualified men that have gifts in their lives giving you the word. Giving, don't become like this man that was a millionaire. Sit, say, I'm on my children. They're dirty. I can't hardly make a living. And Brother Brown saying, you're a millionaire. In other words, talk their language. I just, I just heard it today in the news. There was a blind man walking in a crosswalk in New York and got struck and killed. You say, if he would have had his eyes, he could have saw what was going on and maybe ran out of the road. He had a little C&I dog. And a taxi cab hit him, struck him. He, he passed away. You say, and we take our eyes so much. You say, eating cabbage brother john i don't like this food we eat this and that be grateful you got a stomach that john d rockefeller would have given a million dollars to eat what you eat i mean this man he this rockefeller person was an american oil industry business magnet and philanthropist wealthiest american of all time the richest person in modern history he was born in a large family in upstate new york and was shaped by his father and religious mother and his family moved several times before settling in cleveland ohio rockefeller became the country's first billionaire with a fortune worth nearly two percent of the national economy His peak net worth was estimated at $336 billion. As a youth, Rockefeller reported that his two greatest ambitions were to make $100,000 and to live 100 years. And in his 50s, he suffered from depression and digestive troubles. And he died... 
less than two months shy of his 98th birthday. And his net worth over the last decade of his life would easily place him as the wealthiest known person in history. As a percentage of the United States gross national uh, product, you, you all know that, no other American fortune, including those of Bill Gates or Sam Walton, would even come close. This was the man, Brother Branham said, he would give a million dollars to eat a little meal of... I thank God tonight that God's given us men and women that are rich and millionaires. They sit around one another and we're sitting next to billionaires, millionaires spiritually. Our souls are worth 10,000 worlds. God gave His life for you and I. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Praise be to God. God put a predestinated seed in your soul. He sent you a message as a gift. Before the foundation of the world, He put it there. And nothing's going to reverse that. Nothing. I was thinking as we've gone through these last weeks, isn't it amazing that God would call one of His sons and daughters out of a family where no one else is even interested or quickened to the message of the hour? Who thinks that's amazing? It'll call a son, call a daughter. Some of you are married or older. I know many have raised up in the message here, but think about it. I was thinking about someone in our church that they're the only believer in their family. Is our God amazing that He put a seed in their soul? So it's not their mom or their dad or their church or where... It's, it's Christ put a seed in there and nobody else in their family is even interested in the message. Do you all think that's amazing? That's how great our God is. And it's not, the, it's not, it shouldn't be our life whole mission to figure out, well, why this and why that and why isn't my brother, my sister, my mom. No, I think it's our right to say, God, you put a gift in my life. You put a seed there. That's amazing. And then another family would have maybe two or three people that would have a revelation. And then out of a family where a mother and father, you can play something, Brother Benjamin, but I, I don't want to say something that you would feel is out of order, but out of a family where a mother or father are believers, where children are born, and then there's some in those families that do not express a converted desire for God. You say, we're supposed to figure that all out. No, we're supposed to keep serving God. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Before You say, well, God foreknew everything. And as we bow our heads tonight, I think there's something about the love of God He's put in your heart for His Word that should be emphasized. That hunger, that thirst. I want to be more grateful to the Lord Jesus more appreciative I wonder tonight if we can share this around the table as we look in the face of our heavenly father and say Lord Jesus I thank you for putting a seed inside of me Jesus Lord I want to be more grateful it cannot change no matter what happens in your life it cannot change God's mind about your seed 
Brother and sister, I believe when we come to that faith, it'll settle a lot of our turmoil. It's the love of God constraining you, as Brother Okello prayed in his prayer, for our families, for our loved ones. As we bow our heads and we pray on this Wednesday night service, let your mind pass over this last year. I would like to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate you, God. I acknowledge the great things you've moved upon our lives, Jesus. I want to thank you, Lord, for bestowing so many good attributes of your nature, dealing with our lives, pouring out your spirit, having mercy, having compassion. Lord, we're clay tonight in your hands and we want to look up into your face as our dear Father, our Potter, and say, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Fashion me, form me. Put your finger in the right places in my life that would cause my walk to change. Heavenly Father, bless your people tonight, Jesus. When so many, Lord, are spending this and that and we have something that's been given to us so freely. Say thank you, Lord, for that seed. If God had not left us a seed, we would have been like Sodom and like Gomorrah. And we sense the pressure all around us of those clouds pressuring in, coming in, fiery judgment about to be poured out upon that group. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful we can stand with the Abraham group and look out over the horizon and thank you for a message. Thank you for a promise that will change our mortal bodies. I'm sure Abraham could take a hold of Sarah's hand and say, I'm so happy that we stood with the message. Heavenly Father, if there's any in our church that is dealing with scoffers and mockers and trouble in their personal lives and families. We pray for extra strength, God. Some aren't here tonight. Some are with their loved ones and they're not believers. They're not believing and there's pressure and there's a lot of questions in people's minds at this time of the year and loved ones that maybe they lost or spouses or family members or children. Why did that happen? But I pray that it would turn from questioning and questioning and questioning and reasoning and turn into a walk of faith and drop down revelations, Lord, for some that are in very desperate places. And asking why this and why that. Lord, you are the one that can answer it appropriately. Would you drop down in your presence, Lord? Great star of Bethlehem. Go by that dark shadow and shine a light, Lord. So that that man, that woman, that young person or child could grab the ray of light. Lord, we love you tonight, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you, God. Would there be anyone like to worship with us before we close and just lift up our hands? We'll sing the song Brother Benjamin's playing. Oh, I want what you want for me.
sing that simple little song, Thank You, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank You, Lord, for making me whole. And then we'll slip out into this night. Oh, thank You, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank You, Lord, for it gives us a greater appreciation this brother Brenham talked about this rich man that if he would have had he would have given a million dollars if he could have eaten just something to hold in his stomach when so many of us can eat food and we can run and we got so many blessings